Andy does love some Andy. It's like you're inside of my head. <laughs> what is your fascination with Peterson? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Dear future me, <laughs> don't go to the courthouse. The Katie's moral a- of the story is don't leave your martial arts equipment and your other coat in a parallel dimension. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. <laughs> I'm Andy and I like every comic that's ever been made. I would not go to Jonathan Frake's booth because I would get space herpes. And now your hosts, Luke Matthews. Can you imagine if all the X-Men were Hulk? God, you'd have the Hulk Dark Phoenix. And B. That's that's the world's saddest masturbation metaphor. And Joel Simon. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking bullshit here. Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Luke Matthews, joined today by Ann Bean. Hello. And Joel Simon. Hello. Unfortunately, uh, Andy couldn't be with us today. He is deathly ill uh, and decided that he couldn't show up for the uh, the book that he actually recommended. Uh, so it's just going to be the three of us talking about it. That's okay. Andy would just spend the whole time filleting it anyway, so yeah, it's good yeah. that we'll actually have That's a reasonable good. discussion about this We can book. have a quick pause for Andy's fellation. <laughs> yes. Porn. There okay. it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm kind of scared of this microphone now. Uh, <laughs> uh, this show we are we are going to be talking about Richard Stark's Parker the Hunter by Darwin Cook. Um, it's the first book of of the Parker series based on the uh, original novels by uh, Donald E. Westlake. Or Richard Stark was one of his pseudonyms. Um, uh, this uh, book was originally published in 2009. It is a graphic novel, so it was not published as individual issues. Uh, it was just uh, the straight-up book. Um, and it's only available in hardcover, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, you, can get the, you can get the hardcovers of the individual books for $24.99 each. Um, and I actually was able to find it at a local comic shop for cheaper than that. They were selling, it, oddly enough, a local comic shop was selling it for $19.99. So... <laughs> um, and you can also get the Martini Edition, which can, which is a slip-cased hardcover that has the Hunter and the Outfit, which are the first two books uh, of the Parker books. Um, so, I as a as a, as a warning to to listeners, we will spoil the crap out of this book while we are talking about it later. So, if you haven't read Parker, uh, you should probably go pick it up uh, before we before we talk about it. Or they they made a fucking movie about this. They've made three. What were they? Wait, three movies. They have made three. We'll talk <laughs> about that. We'll talk about that a little okay. later. Yes, there are but movies. I don't know but if we could really spoil it. Uh, none of the movies actually follow Some the plot very well. Live so. under rocks. But they okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <clears throat> it is, I mean, to, to For be my fair, peeps in Afghanistan. To be fair, it was a book that was written in the fifties. So I mean, it's been around for a while, but mm. still don't want to spoil it for people who okay. Uh, but go out and buy it, and then you can listen to the show. Um, so, as usual, we will start everything off by talking about what everybody's reading. What are you, what are you reading, Joel? I am weeding. Well, first of all, weeding. I very, very like the uh, Winter Soldier. Um, so I'm reading Winter Soldier, and uh, I, I have to admit, I don't know if you guys know that I have a man crush on Brubaker. Yes. Um, we know this. Oh, we know this. Oh, you do? Oh. Oh shucks! Well, and Winter Soldier is is Brubaker's take on 
on what happens to Bucky after he he separates from the superhero world. And the the basic premise is that with the whole Captain America, Steve Rogers becoming Captain America again, Bucky's kind of left out in the cold, so they fake his death. And then he goes out searching for the people who made him into Winter Soldier. And so he's having these these memories that come back from when he was in stasis. It's a long time. But anyway... It's a long story, but anyway, it's a it's a great story. Brubaker's great, and it's it's Winter Soldier and Black Widow trying to hunt down these Soviet cells, which um, even in 2012 we're still dealing with communist cells. I, I don't think we'll ever get done with that. Uh, but in the first, it just started last month, and in the first issue, uh, there's an 800 pound gorilla with a with a Browning machine gun, which is pretty awesome. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll I'm hooked. It's super intelligent gorilla, and and the funny in the second one, um, the gorilla bugs out by putting on a jetpack and taking off. So you're saying there are gorillas with guns and jetpacks? Yes. Okay. And the reason behind this is there's, I guess, an old Marvel villain called Red Ghost, who is a Soviet scientist, and he did. Some work with gorillas it made them super intelligent. So it's a Soviet gorilla with a jetpack and guns. Exactly. And when he starts firing the machine gun, he says, "Death to America." <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, oh. Frank Miller writes BPRD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. But it's it. But it's done. I can't remember who the artist is, but I think uh, Brubaker's teamed up with him before. It's done kind of in the style of uh, <clears throat> of Criminal. Where it's kind of water brushed or watercolor, and it's it got a really good um, kind of throwback art style, and I'm I'm really digging it. So the other one I'm reading is Annihilation. So after reading about all these superheroes, I wanted to read about superheroes in space, and this is stuff I never really got into: uh, Silver Surfer, Galactus, the Fantastic Four, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's pretty interesting when you remove the framework of earth and you can just go to any kind of alien civilization and the death of a universe or whatnot super human they're not even human super beings it gets it's it gets kind of interesting the one thing i notice is that galactus really is i don't know what he's a metaphor for but it, it seems like he's either a metaphor for god or mankind's hubris i don't know a hubris yeah Sadness. yeah because this whole thing is that he he creates he creates these heralds that go out and find planets for him and then he eats the planet up a lot like mankind does with you know with our planet earth and uh, yeah and so there's there's a lot of like psychedelic kind of think about you know the universe is so big and you can really throw off all constraints. It makes me think of all of the psychological weirdness behind like Dr. Manhattan and stuff where it's like, yeah, I don't have a soul anymore. I'm going to go be in space and be sad. Yeah. Yeah. They, they pretty much it is. And so, I mean, Galactus, he just basically, I'm going to make you into um, this all powerful being. I'll give you my essence. I'll breathe life into you and then you'll be my messenger. Uh, and one of his first, Heralds was the fallen one, so I don't know if they're what they're trying to say about that. That's a metaphor. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
thinly veiled? No, nah, not too much. Uh, not so much. <clears throat> so not okay. veiled at all. No, nah, not really. It's just pretty much, yeah. And he's the first one that went against Galactus, and that's why he's called the the Fallen One. And so, by metaphor, we mean the exact same thing. <laughs> but but instead of instead of Galactus having a big white beard, he's got a big psychedelic purple helmet. <laughs> Who said God doesn't have a big psychedelic purple helmet? Good point. Oh. Okay. What about you, Anne? What are you reading? So I read uh, a graphic novel by Ray Fox called One Soul, which I will put an article up about on the website. Yes. Um, and I the article, by the time you're <laughs> listening to this, uh, listeners, that, that article will be up on the website, so you can go check out uh, Anne's review of this book. Yay. Um, I will just say the premise. Uh, it's we- I can't even tell you if this book is good or not, honestly, and it's hard to say. It's it's fascinating is what it is. Like is. I'll sit there and stare at this thing for hours. Um it ha- it e- both pages are in nine panels and each of the 18 panels tells 18 different stories of 18 different people that are sharing one soul so it's like you can flip through and read the oh, linear you read story the, of one panel interesting right or you can read across and it's sort of like weirdly poetic and it, there's themes in common but it doesn't oh. make too much sense as a story i don't know it's interesting and i will talk more about it with words um, <laughs> with written words. Written words. I also feel like I should mention, um, if it hasn't already been mentioned, which I don't think we t- talked about it last time, Ethan... Ni- yes, Nicole? I had to think of the... Cr- make sure it was the right brother. Ethan Nicola's uh, other comic, which your communist gorilla brought forth in my head, Bearmageddon. Bearmageddon. I, I think it's bearmageddon.com. <clears throat> Circus Bears? It's just one tentacle bear. It's like in the woods. <laughs> terrible things have happened. There are tentacle bears. Tentacle bears. Like okay. octop- octobear. <clears throat> octobear is eating people, ripping people in half, ripping these people that chain themselves, chain themselves to trees. And then bears come up and rip them with octo bears. Yeah. Okay. That's as far as I've gotten. So, so, so uh, if I can get this right. So Japan has tentacle demons. Mm-hmm. Russia has tentacle bears. Uh, I don't know if it's in Russia. Canada has tentacle bears. I think it's in Canada. Oh, yeah. what? Seriously? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's they why need science that, makes they need tentacle to bears. Guard that border a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more. Um, okay. You've never seen all the famous pictures of the tentacle bears in the rivers, like scooping salmon out eight at a time. Hell no! Like, what? Oh, I don't know why. Three Mile Island. What the hell are they doing <laughs> up there? Okay, continue. Uh, that, that tentacle bear. That's the entire punchline. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. Uh, I have been reading the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, the reboot. Uh, I heard that's good. It is. It is very good, actually. Yeah. Um, I I bought the hardcover of the original that they put out, uh, but I haven't I haven't actually read it. I read some of the original back in the eighties, uh, but it was never like it was like one offs here and there because my brother would read it, and um, I haven't actually sat down and read much of much of the original. That's why I liked, you know, why I bought the the hardcover because i want to actually go back and see the original you know eastman and laird stuff space Um, dinosaurs so this new one is good it's uh it's um it's just as dark as it should be it's not the it's not the kitty cartoony you know happy-go-lucky uh thing it's it's actually like (laughs) kind of kind of morose but uh I, I really like it. Heard some impressive things about it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Uh, the other thing that I've been reading is uh, I picked up the new Conan the Barbarian comic by Brian Wood and Becky Cloonan. Ooh, it is, how is it? really. Oh, I'm excited about that. It's really good. Is I, I mean I I really enjoy it. It's it's so the thing that um, 
I like all of the the Conan comics that have come so far. They're and by mean by all I should I should clarify like when um when Kurt Busiek and and Carrie Nord were doing it when they rebooted the series about as like seven, six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that run is awesome because it's basically adaptations of the original books and they're all really, really good. Carrie Nord's artwork is stunning. Mm. Um, they've changed artists several times and then Kurt Busiek dropped out about, I don't know, five years in or four years in after they, they kind of got done adapting all the original stories and then they were going to move on to other stuff and Busiek was just like, mm, I'm tired of this. Um, so it's kind of fallen off a little bit since then. Some of the stuff they've been doing is pretty good, but it's not. there's nothing like as mind-blowing as that except this. Um, it's not the Conan that people know from movies. Um, I, of course, I've not, I haven't seen the newest movie, but it's not the Schwarzenegger-y type Conan. I saw previews Conan. for that. It actually looked really good. Uh, and I've heard that it's really bad. So, <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's, it's a shame. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll see it anyway just to see because um, a lot of the original stories – are much more fantastical than the than like the Schwarzenegger yeah. movies were. Um, they have a lot of crazy, wacky, magical bullshit in them that yeah. Um, yeah. you wouldn't really expect. And Conan is a lot younger. Uh, he, you know, Conan's only he's like twenty or nineteen in the mm. in most of the original stories, and in this one, so, so. it's like the manga version, more magic with a younger protagonist. <laughs> sort of, yeah. So, um, so one thing, uh, the original writer of Conan was Hubbard? No, Howard. no Howard. Lord, Howard. no. Howard. No, that's L. Ron Hubbard. No, Howard. Robert E. Howard, yeah. Robert E. Howard, I guess he and Lovecraft, Lovecraft were, were friends. Big, yep. were big friends. That's so awesome. that's, yeah, that's where the weird magic comes into. Tentacle Well, they were both, mm, no, they no. were both nut jobs. We're going to have nightmares now. Robert yep. E. Howard was a nut bar. Oh, just slightly. Like, if you have that many Conan books in you, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, he wasn't. He was. He didn't think them up. According to him, Conan uh, came to was him. It channeled. <laughs> according to them, Conan came to him and told him his stories, oh, and he just transcribed. Yeah. If he was born eh. fifty years later, he would have had a cult. Yeah. And made right. a lot of money. Yeah. Right. But now he just that had to write L. books. That was L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, that's right. See, that's why you've got so. him uh, mixed up. Um, the new one, I don't believe, is based on any of the original stories. It's it's Brian Wood's own creation and Becky Cloonan's art. Um, I haven't seen much of her stuff prior. I looked it up after this came out, and it's completely different. Mm. Um, but her her style really, really works. I really like it for this. I'll, I'll have to see how it how she handles like there more combat because the first issue doesn't have a lot of combat in it, and yeah. Conan tends to hack things up a lot. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but this. She's definitely got the uh, kind of crazy, fantastical mm. thing going on. Yeah. Uh, the whole story is about like he's on a um, he escapes from a city and gets uh, passage on a ship that is being pursued by this um, I forgot her name uh, the, by this crazy kind of siren esque witch like ship captain that that is a pirate, but more in the sense that she like ensnares and kills everybody she sees and then and then takes the ship's stuff off the ship and then sinks them mm. so uh it, it's it's really cool uh, the second issue just came out or comes out next week i think and uh i'm looking forward to it it looks it's See, it's really good now that's good to hear because i, I i've always liked wood 
I'd, I'd like to... <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Laugh it up. I always like Brian That's going to be your show intro because for a while. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Um, no, because uh, uh, DMZ, really like the idea of DMZ, which it kind of fell apart at the end, but I think he, the, just the heart wasn't into it. And I always read, um, uh, and I had read Demo. I don't know if you guys yeah, have read Demo. That's actually never, the only one I've read. Yeah, I've never read Demo. You never read Demo? That, I think that was one of the first things that Clunan did. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. can actually see the growth of her art as, yeah. as you're going through yes, the book. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she, she in, it's A, yes, it's growth, but B, like she, it's honing and she mm-hmm. definitely does different things in different stories yeah, for different yeah, purposes. Exactly. And so I, it's good to see that she, she, she found her voice and then w- hooked up again with a, with Brian Wood yeah. for, for the collaboration. And if it, if it's good, like you say it is, I, it is good. I um, the only other, yeah, the only other thing by Brian, things by Brian Wood I've read, I've read uh, about two thirds of local mm. and I've read, um, most of Northlanders. Yeah. And, so Northlanders, um, he already knows the hacking. And exactly. Slashing. Right. Yeah. Which is, it's good. It's a, it's a good fit for both of them, I think. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes, but yeah, yeah. good stuff. Um, there's really no good industry news that we could, could think of. The only thing, like we talked a lot about last week about like the, or last show about the, um, all the crazy like artists lawsuits and weird shit that was going on. But uh, right now the only thing is image expo is, is this upcoming weekend. Uh, it's an image centric con based entirely with image artists and writers and stuff. And it's, Where in, Calif- is it? it's yeah. in uh California somewhere. Uh, I want to say, I want to say it's in the LA area, but I don't know exactly where mm. LA area, whatever. It's, that, an area. Yeah. it's small, right? You, yeah, can, sure. you can find stuff easy in you the area. You don't even area. have to go on the highway or anything. Yeah. No. Right. It's, Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's simple. Just look just look up uh LA area and then you'll find it. Yep. That's just type that into Google Maps and yep. you'll you'll be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have one. In other news, some people got mad at Kevin Smith for on Comic Book Men. The, oh, that's what it, yeah, you're the, right. The, there was a thing I like, wanted to talk girls about. Girls don't read comics and we're Dodgy. Well, I heard, I heard that show is not the best. Yeah, I've heard it's, I've heard awful, it's not actually. aimed at comics enthusiasts, for one. Meh. It's sort of like hoarders, yeah. Yeah. but with comics. Well, with well, a little yeah. bit of um, American Roadshow thrown in there, too, yeah. or Antique Roadshow, yeah. that's what it is. But it's, yeah. Well, that's the thing I've heard, that it's basically, it's it's one half them sitting around bullshitting about, the, about comics and their experiences with comics, and one half them in the secret stash like appraising people's shit they want to come sell uh-huh. and they're not even appraising it at like as i understand it and i've only watched about 10 minutes of the show and i couldn't i couldn't stomach it <laughs> because it, it's it's playing it's it's every stereotype that general public believes about comic book uh, f- enthusiasts yeah they pretty much put out there as gospel and it's aggravating it's 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 like setting the industry back like 10 years yeah all middle-aged white nerds right male well that's what who we are like come on oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i yeah i it's aggravating but i i i don't know why anyone expected any different from kevin smith to be entirely honest yeah that's fair um he's not really a thing anymore. No. So, 
He, he had that lightning in the bottle, and then he just... Well, he had the lightning in a bottle, and then he started smoking pot. And, like, his whole fucking... Like, now his entire life is complaining about all the shit that he couldn't do. He has so. become Silent Bob with the soul of Jay. Ooh. <laughs> this is a man's world. But it wouldn't be nothing. get recorded that that's awesome excellent so for the last two weeks <laughs> so for the last two weeks we have been reading uh richard stark's parker the hunter it was adapted from the original parker novel the hunter by darwin cook uh so it's the writing and the art were done by darwin cook oh really um it was uh published in 2009 and uh, I think this is our first novel published, adaptation oh, published by idw um you might be right I think it. I think we've had adaptations of other things, but not yet a novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the. Uh, um, the Parker books were originally started in 1962 by uh, Donald Westlake, who was a noir author who wrote these books under the pseudonym Richard Stark. Um, so. Uh, we began talking about this earlier, but the the original novel has actually been adapted into three separate movies. Uh, originally uh, adapted in 1962, like the same year that it came out, into a movie called Point Blank with Lee Marvin playing Parker. I've heard that it, uh, that movie didn't do very well originally, but has since become kind of a cult classic. It'd be interesting to go back and see that one. Uh, the second one was... It's kind of loose... It was it was it's a mo- it's a Hong Kong action flick with Chow Yun Fat called uh, called Full Contact came out in 1992. When the funny thing about that one is, I read the synopsis for the the plot of that one, and they might have they they must have just like paid to credit Parker because it they have nothing to do with each <laughs> other. The only things they have to do with the thing it has to do is that the main character gets. Uh, betrayed during a heist and left for dead. And that's really it. The rest of it is and not even close. That's never been written before. Yeah, seriously. I haven't seen that. Um, <laughs> and then the the most recent adaptation was the movie Payback in 1999 with Mel Gibson. And what's funny about Payback is that he plays a character called Porter, but all the other characters have the same names as in the book. Like Val Resnick is the main bad guy. Yeah. Like there's uh, it, most of the other, like all of the characters are the huh. same with the exception of the prostitute that he, um, that he enlists the help of to get into the outfit. Who's in the, in the book is called, or in the movie is called Rosie. Is she called Rosie in this? Yeah, I think so. Is she called Rosie? Okay. In the, so in the movie, she's called pussy galore, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's called Rosie. So, so yeah, um, this book was published in 2009. Um, so I, this was actually a novel beforehand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 19, the... Published in 1962. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. It's a series of novels, actually. The There's um, the two books that comprise the Martini edition are The Hunter and uh, The Outfit, and those were both novels okay. back in... Back in the day, no, no pictures at all. Nope, all uh, words. I won't read it. All words. <laughs> <laughs> no. I kid. But anyway, go on. I I just didn't know there was a history. I, I thought I was just some guy decided to write a noirish story. No, this, this is the the canon. This is the core material. I no wonder it's so good. Or did I give away my feelings so, on this? No, go ahead. Start uh, talking about it. Because no, okay. Well, I'm. First of all, I I love noir. 
I I, I really like the the CD. Hence the Brubaker man crush. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> that that's part of it. He's dreamy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, anyways, no, I, I just like the CD underbelly and and these criminals that use their wits to to get get ahead and get over, as opposed to using just brawn or um, or using guns, you know. So they they can get they can get by with just um, with just their wits. And I love characters like that. And and I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about comics and stories like this is that it's not it's not the superpowers that get these people out of their conflicts. It's, it's their wits or how they're thinking about the situation that, that gets them out of these conflicts. Or in this case, just flat out ruthlessness, not necessarily wits. Yes. Well, that's true. But also it, it does show his knowledge of the whole workings of the, of the black market and, and this crime, this crime world that he knows, okay, well, in order to get this job done, I need this, this, and this, you know? So it kind of sets, sets down, uh, if you were going to do this yourself, it's kind of crime for for idiots. Uh, one of those kind of books or whatnot. Yeah, but like the anarchist cookbook of of crime. Yeah, crime. If, if you want to pull off a heist. And I, I just got to admit, I'm I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff too. So I have to admit, I like Ocean's Eleven. The, the, Absolutely. Yeah, I I just love those the outfits where they have a group of people and each one has their own. Um, their own specialty mm-hmm. and they work together to you know pull off some heists you know really wacky heists and they do it in different ways i love those kind of stories uh, and there's a there's a tv show leverage that's kind of like that there are a bunch of con artists i've seen a few i've seen a few episodes of that show yeah, it's not and bad really it's like fun. con artists with a gar- with a heart of gold exactly <laughs> like it, it is and it's really formulaic and you pretty much know how everything's going to go but i just love watching how everything unfolds and how they always um, pull it pull the wool over the the mark's eyes you know and this is this is a lot like too but he's more shooting bullets at the marks than, <laughs> than anything so you you mentioned like con artist with a heart of gold uh-huh. i thought that this might be a con artist with a heart of gold story but no it's a it's a because i i love assholes with hearts of gold love them but uh, parker's just an asshole with Par- heart of asshole yeah, yeah parker is there has very few redeeming qualities yeah. i found like, very few of the characters in the book had any redeeming qualities yeah, parker, i actually disliked everyone in the book well, yeah you, you dislike you, you know? dislike everyone in the book but the only reason you root for parker is because he got screwed yeah. so you just kind of you're like <clears throat> all right he's the least of the evils and at least he has a reason for get trying to get what he's trying to get done done you know he got he got fucked by his people who had you know said he was said they were going to be his partners mm. so you know and i think the opening page i just got to say the opening page i think it pretty much sets the tone for the character uh, when a fresh face guy in a chevy offered him a lift parker told him go to hell <laughs> it just right from the get go you know that this guy is not going to take shit off of anybody and and that's how he goes through this whole story. He has a singular purpose. He wants to get these guys back that screwed him over, and, and he eventually does. And and you're right. He's not he's not a good guy. No. So things I things that I really liked about the book. One, mm-hmm. the design is flawless. Like the guy's a designer by trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can tell because the it, it is the colors, the sixties incarnate. Oh my god, yeah. it, it, that was fantastic. The art is great. And really, really fits sort of the lack of like defined panels really fits the story and fits the genre and is very moody yeah. and awesome. 
Um, I also liked the plot elements of we see scenes several times and it's not the exact same scene per se, but it, we revolve back around to different events. Mm-hmm. And we see them from a different perspective and know a lot more of what the hell's going on. Yeah. And I like that. It kind of reminds me of Rashomon. Yeah. If you've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I didn't understand that uh, Blonde, can't think of her name. His uh, wife. Was, I didn't understand that she was his wife the first go. Like, in the first scene with him, yeah. it was not clear to me that that, that was his wife. And or so that was really... Treat- your wife like that you know i kind of assumed she wasn't his wife because of things um yeah it does take a little while to i I need a hot second for for ranting about why i don't like it but that can come at a more opportune time Mm. okay yeah i i i don't know i don't know where to start with this one because i'm i'm kind of torn about it right Mm. it's First off, in my opinion, it's it's a it's an incredibly simplistic story. Yes, I agree. Hmm. It is point A to point B. Guy gets guy gets fucked, gets left for dead. Hmm. Oh, he's not dead. Now he's, he's coming back for all of his shit, and that's that's really gets it. All it's of his it's shit. like he comes back for his shit and kills everybody in his path until he gets his shit with a vengeance. And um. I'm not. I don't necessarily think that that is a problem. I don't have a problem with simplistic storylines because I think if they're executed well, they can be great. You don't need complexity to make something good. But he didn't have much of an arc. Like he didn't have that much personal yeah. change throughout this story. Like we we get that his his change has kind of already happened. Like he was betrayed and that mm. kind of messed with him, right? Uh-huh. But at this point, he's just like anger anger pile. At the end of story, anger pile. Um, yeah, he really, yeah. he really was just. It was just a flat progression, right? He yeah. was just like. It, and the funny thing is, is like even you don't even get any payoff once he gets his payoff. Yeah, yeah. You just he just gets it and goes. Yeah, and there's no. Like, see, I'm gonna get plastic surgery now, bitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and, I'm gonna, and, and that's I'm it. gonna go be different, no, and I'm gonna no go happy hide. ending. No and driving off into the sunset. There's part of me that wonders if the character, um, I don't remember the name of the character from Sin City that Clive Owen played in the movie, mm. if he was based on Parker because that was his arc in Sin City. Sure, is that you know he he started out you know, looking one way and got betrayed and then got plastic surgery and comes back to the city looking all Clive Owen-y mm-hmm. and uh, gets revenge, right? It seems very Parker-y. Uh, that character seems very similar to this one. Um, but I don't know. I, I The thing that... The, the problem, I think, that I had... So... Uh, this is. I'm going to start into some negatives that I have with the book, and that maybe that will launch into your rantiness too. <laughs> mm. And and Joel can sit there and and wonder why we hate the things that he no, loves. No, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have I don't have any rose colored glasses. And I know that you know if if there's there's violence in this book and blood, you guys will get a little queasy and be like, oh no, I'm, no, it's I'm, not. I'm messing with you. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm Remember joking. how I went for two years without sarcasm. <laughs> So, oh <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You're not. There. I'm like no. a monk of sarcasm. <laughs> you are. You are. Uh, no, I'm joking. I I don't have rose covered glasses. I know it's not perfect. I know there's. <laughs> you can't actually see through rose covered glasses. Rose, <laughs> rose covered. Did I say rose covered? Yes, you did. Yes. No. Anyway, so the thing that. 
the thing the thing I was going to say is that, that I think um, I feel like this in it in adapting the original novel, which I've never read, so I don't know if what I'm saying is true or not. But it feels like there was something lost in the translation. In that, um, there's a lot of scenes where it it just kind of feels the, the kind of feel a little empty. Mm. Like there's not you don't really get like like you said he doesn't have a character arc, and part of that is because you never really you never really get any insight into Parker. That's true. You get a kind of a third hand narration that talks about what he's going to do next, but you don't really get any insight into his thought processes or anything. It's just like, oh, he found out that this person fucked him over, so he's going to go kill him until they give him shit, you know? Through the whole time, he, they, they go through his, what he's thinking because, I mean, there is there is conversations between characters, but he does go sure. around. Okay, I know is why there this ever character- first-person narration? I don't I, think I think so. I, I, I think it's all... No, it, it's all. Uh, I feel like it's, it's all omniscient. It's third. yeah, is because there's. I mean, occasionally it'll get a little bit into his head, like oh, he, he okay, that so, ship hadn't sailed. He was afraid of her. Yeah, because all in all in the uh, kind of in the margins of this, they have prose that goes uh, goes along and it kind of sets up the background for each character, like what what Mal, Mal does and what what Parker did mm-hmm. and how they set up. Like, okay, this is the reason why this guy screwed him over and this is how he's going to get him back this is what this guy was used for in the mark and this is how he screwed him over and this is how parker's going to get sure. him back and yeah. that but that, see that's the thing that's it's all one note all the way through and that's one of the things that bothered me about it was it felt like it was uh, it felt like the entire story was stringing together here introduce this character here's why they're a bastard parker kills them next character here's why they're a bastard Parker kills them, next character. And that felt like the whole book to me. I thought it was a little more nuanced than that, especially with like the replay of the scene of the betrayal and the fact that we see that from a couple of different perspectives. Yeah, I liked that. But the prose slowed me down a lot. I felt like the adaptation was a little clunky. Like he, visually it was great, but just in terms of prose, uh, the like, we've had this scene this like fairly active moving scene of him like being a con artist and doing ridiculous social engineering with checkbooks that would never work um at least but not today was, but this, yeah, was, this is back it in is the back in the day when, yeah. when you could come in with a fake yeah. fake id and get get money um yeah uh anyway but we we that was the only thing that he did that i liked him for of the entire time yeah i was like ooh, that's kind of cool but then getting, like, doing the checkbooks getting the money and then laundering it by buying the watches and yeah. fencing them yeah like yeah and then like we're slammed with a huge page of prose yeah and that's that's the thing too i think that change happened about a third of the way through the book because that's one of the problems that i had with the opening of the book in my mm-hmm. opinion was the lack of narration like the it was all like aspect to aspect like very yeah nice and if manga-esque and yeah. here's here's where people are gonna rag on me mm. i didn't think in the beginning parts of this book, I didn't think Darwin Cook's art was strong enough to carry that. I thought that um, the style was great and it was unclear. There were times where I had no fucking clue what was happening. Hmm. Um, I totally agree, 100%. And this will lead straight into my rant. I took notes like a boss. On the top of page 28, um, he's like, he's going to what turns out to be his wife's hideout. 
and it is absolutely unclear to me what is happening. Like, apparently he is, like, opening the door and or hitting her at the same time. (laughs) I cannot tell what has happened. Like, I needed three or four panels to show that moment, not just, like, one kind of oddly cut or oddly cropped panel. But just a crack. Well, the, the door's open. And he's stepped through the door and, and cracks her. Sort of. Sort of. Like, where was she standing See, before? What so is here, happening? So <laughs> Probably at the door opening. Now. Okay, wait a minute. 28, you said? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And if, you look, no if you look before the page turn, there's nothing yeah. really that leads up to that. It's like, well, ah, here's this sort of weirdly in medias res thing. Well, yeah. He's, he's After a very elongated, like, it took three panels to show him throwing a bottle out of a window and hitting the wall and him turning off the light. And then the next thing you know, it's like, bam. Well, he's, yeah. he's building up his liquid courage. He's, he's getting nice and liquored up. And he's and ruminating he, over it. And then he goes to... See Beat his, up his, his wife. wife. Yes. Exactly. Um, so this is the other thing that, to me, and I understand that this is like Andy can't handle um, humor in a Holocaust book. I can't handle the amount of misogynistic, pointless violence that is in this. It's like if there's any female character, she's yeah. going to get slapped, hit, have her cigarette broken, you know, like yeah. killed pointlessly, etc. It's the 60s, though. I was going to say, the, I wonder if that's part of the original novel and thus yeah. part of the adaptation. That's There's not a it. femme fatale in here. I'm sure it's part of the original novel and this is mostly just like Anne rages she, against the patriarchy. She she got him <laughs> killed. I, I mean, I think she's kind of a femme fatale because she got him killed or tried to get him killed. She tried to kill him yeah. out of being a coward. The only time when she displays agency for herself is killing herself, which is kind of a depressing character arc. Oh, well. Well, I think that's okay. To be fair, I think that's you know, the point if, of her particular character. It is. It's not all um, women in the book. It's because just her. I mean, if we want to go back to the '60s and how they're portraying, I mean, there's no brothers in this. I, I, not not anybody that's inked a little bit greener than, than <laughs> white. You know? So, so I mean, we could we could do that, but that's just the time. I, I mean, it wasn't. You say that's just the time, but if you and this is again. And yeah. rages on the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, and also because I'm reading a lot of canonical works of, of fairy tales, actually, but a lot of canonical works of literature that I'm just like, really? Um, really? Really. Like, uh, my rage is building and not allowing me to have coherent thoughts okay. right now. No, I, I'm just saying those old fairy tales, didn't they have a, a lot of bad women? Like the. Snow- it's not quite. I mean, it's. I guess the point I'm making about this is there's a lot of stuff that's using this as canon. If we think about a lot of the noir genre and a yeah. lot of pulp film, like yeah. this is one of the originals that oh, is yeah. influencing generations to come, whether or not consciously sure. or subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. And it always pisses me off when I go back to the original and I'm like, this is where rape culture comes from. Fuckers. Mm. Right? Well, to, well, to some degree, it also, the the... I a little mean, bit sooner than that. I'm part of the yeah, patriarchy, well. <laughs> so I can't really say much other than I think it's books like this that allow the genre. Not only they inform the genre as being original, you know, like the inception of it, mm-hmm. but also I think a lot of people have moved beyond like I agree. the the stereotypical representations of characters that existed in these old ones. Mm-hmm. Um to bring us things like criminal where mm-hmm. they have more well-rounded and realistic representations of what th- these kind of broad brushstroke versions <laughs> of it were trying to say, you know, in their time, 
we get the evolution of that of yes richard starks parker was this was this asshole kind of you know asshole. asshole the heart of art of asshole and yeah um he was you know it the book was uh groundbreaking in its in its time but now we realize that there was a lot of stuff that he couldn't tell you know or mm-hmm. wouldn't because maybe maybe he grew up in the in the you know no, the it, it, early century it's patriarchy not, it's not and <laughs> yeah and no, you know, I understand. And I'm not, I agree I'm, with I'm the evolution like, of the genre. I yeah. think when I think about books like Last... I mean, yes, there is violence against women in Last Days of American Crime, but it didn't rub me the wrong way. Mm. Yeah. Be- because it like the everyone involved had a character arc, maybe. I don't know if that's the only difference. But. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Where they, I, I, and I see what you guys are saying where everything is kind of flat because it's true. It, they say it's it's a lot like porn. They set up the scene, and then and then he goes he goes into the scene, and then there's a money shot where he shoots him. Right. So and, and then then they move on to the next scene. No, honestly, yeah. and that's and that's but maybe that's the material that it was back then. Because, sure. I mean, I know yeah. this pulpy stuff wasn't too well developed back in the day. And that and that's maybe that's my problem with it is that I I I could go back and read a Parker novel as um you know knowing where it came from and knowing the the origins of it and reading it for what it is I'm not sure I needed an adaptation into comic form hmm. because it's just kind of like I I really what what this has done for me is make me really want to read the original because I feel like this feels so flat to me yeah. that maybe, there maybe there's something in the book that I'm missing mm-hmm. yeah. because of this. Maybe, maybe they cut some shit out. Maybe there's, you know, maybe you get more insight into his thought process than yeah. in, in style, the writing. First person narration, yeah, right? Maybe he opens the door <laughs> before you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the that's the other thing. Like a, a good example of of that happening too was um, uh, No Country for Old Men. Um, I've heard excellent things about the book, right? Mm. Um, and I really want to read the book because I watched the movie, and the movie was awesome for the first, like, most of the movie. Yeah. And th- the way the movie ends... It leaves you kind of cold? It does, and the problem that I have with that after speaking to people who have read the book is that you get way more insight into why things happen the way they did in the book because you have... Uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character, the sheriff. Mm. You have the entire book. You have more of his inner monologue and the things that yeah. he's thinking about, and the things that you know. You get more of that kind of character development from the book because you can present it from that point point of view. Mm. Whereas the movie um, had no narration and wasn't told from his point of view. So when the no. when the movie ends, it's just over. But they did have some scenes. They did have some scenes when he was explaining it. I mean, if you know Colin old man, he he sets it up at the beginning, and then it kind of in the center before. Um, if spoilers before, um, what's his name? Not Brody, Broden. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Brolin, Josh Brolin. Jo- Brolin, thank you. I'm just having problems with consonants today. Um, <laughs> When when Brolin dies, he kind of explains that too. But you know, a little bit, but, some, but not really. That's you know, I, I think the one thing that I got from from that is that sometimes bad things just happen. Yes, you know, and 
and it just leaves you kind of cold. And I love those kind of endings. That's why I love these kind of endings where after the job is done, he's just like, hey, there's no sunset. I'm just, I'm going to get some plastic surgery. Let's go to Mexico. You know? <laughs> and, and, and that's, and that's Who wrote it. this? Yeah. <laughs> I, Brian K. Vaughn. Touche. I don't know. It, it, uh, and, and so, I, I mean, I, I don't like happy endings. I don't care whether it's happy or sad. Yeah. I just, it just didn't. You're looking more open to closed? Or? Yeah, open to closed or I, maybe, maybe like you said, I need some sort of arc and this one just, just doesn't have it. It just no. like, it's so. Okay. So shop talk. What the hell is open to close? Okay. So open. Okay. Blade Runner. Yeah. Have you seen both versions of Blade Runner? No. Okay. Well, there are the, all five the, versions the, of Blade the Runner. Super, the super narrated one. <laughs> Two of the so there's the super narrated one where yeah. like everything is a bucket of ponies at the end, and they go somewhere like happy and green, and everything is happy, and maybe she's not a robot after all. Uh-huh. Okay, that's a closed ending because it's like they wrapped up everything. Mm. It doesn't have to be a happy ending, but it yeah. has to be like all of the plot ends were wrapped up, and then there's like the like moody one with lack of narration and at mm. the end like he picks up a unicorn origami and that like means stuff and then they walk away <laughs> that's yeah. an open ending okay so it's like there are trailing plot th- it's it's more resonating than resolving there's like trailing plot threads and okay. it's kind of wacky and you have to think about it i like wackiness uh, uh, that's me yeah i'm just weird anyway I, uh, to to me the the ending i was kind of fine with the ending because it was definitely fitting of the way the character acted in the rest of the book. Yeah. It was definitely, it was just like, I want to get my shit good. I've got my shit. Yeah. I'm going to go somewhere. With a singular purpose. <laughs> it's like, you know. that was the because thing. Because they, they did make a point. She's pointing um, at the notebook. Um, they, you okay? Yes. They did make a point that he wasn't trying to get this money because it would change his life. Right. Mm. He was just trying to get it because it was... Because it was due him, yeah. and that was what he did. Honor it was trying thieves. to. He was trying to not even honor amongst thieves as much as it, it. It was to him. It was less like getting fucked out of a big score, and more like his employer just decided to burn his paycheck in front of him, mm-hmm. and they didn't know who they were burning. So yeah. that I think is the is the crux of the issue because he didn't have a strong enough character want it to like really drive me through the whole thing. And he could have if they'd structured the scenes with his wife differently, because I thought those were strong scenes. We see this, you know, we see the scene of the betrayal like three different ways and we get a new perspective every time. And that's very Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. But the awkward part for me is that, um, like he's already killed, dismembered and buried his wife in the park, apparently like within the first like third of the book. Yeah. And that take like 30 minutes. And that's also, that's also, that was also a, a well, she killed herself, but whatever. Um, and it's like, that seemed to be like the emotional currency that could have like made him a powerful character to me. Like he, he wanted her and he was afraid of her. And like, those are the only emotions he ever really had aside from like disgruntled homicide. Yeah. Hmm. That's also the thing that I didn't that that particular s- set of scenes m- were a little senseless to me but I don't maybe it's just because I wasn't in the right mindset but I don't think like I had the emotional the emotions from him or the motivation from him to really have those make sense like, Yeah it was like she killed herself and Clearly the character <laughs> next step Yeah right the character like it it seemed out of character and maybe that was the point but it it also it was like what what's the point that you never really understand from the character why 
you know, there has to be a reason for it. Did he, did he mutilate her because he wanted to make it look like a different crime? Did he mutilate her because he was pissed at her? Did he mutilate her right. because, like, there's, you never Why know. Did he Why her? the fuck did he mutilate her? And there's no, there's no, like, there's nothing in this book that gives you any indication of what the purpose behind that act was. Yeah. And that's frustrating. Um, it just, it's, it's almost like, oh, he just did it because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, Maybe maybe this is 1962. Maybe he didn't want her to be <clears throat> end up as a victim of suicide. You know that she took the weak way out, and so she got. He's trying to save attacked. face. I maybe you know because save that's, her uh, face by cutting it up. No, <laughs> yeah, maybe too. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, or or maybe the the fact now. Do you think she killed herself because she she felt that she finally betrayed Parker? And she just couldn't live. No, I think she killed herself because she was afraid of the fact that she was going to get fucked by the outfit once they found out that she gave them up to him. Well, and he said he didn't love her anymore. Yeah. And I think she'd been holding on to that. Okay, that's kind of Thus being like a emotionless sex puppet for the last... See, here's an emotionless sex puppet, DC, that works. Yeah. (laughs) She had a reason for being an emotionless sex puppet. Okay, well, you know, when you look at... Okay, that is kind of shitty. But I'm willing to overlook that, that bad character design for you know the rest of the book and it's 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 i bought her suicide like no. i thought that she yeah. had good reason to off herself in but the way that she, she did but she but. really wasn't a strong a strong woman character but you know some of the no. other some of the other characters that he does come across and end aren't very strong either no i Most thought everyone was yeah. co- everyone was a coward the way that she explicated herself as a coward i'm like that's the same thing as parker and that's the same thing as mal i thought mal and parker were remarkably similar especially with sexual dysfunction <laughs> i mean mal's a little bit more of a voyeur but <laughs> speaking of porn yeah <laughs> i think i think uh rosie the the hooker the call girl whatever fuck you want to call her i think i think she like she was a little femme fatale. She was more. She was a stronger character than most, but it felt to me like her character was that she was as strong as she could be in the face of overpowering odds in the sure. in the form of Parker. Right? She couldn't. She she had the choice of of like dying or like giving up the outfit and getting the fuck out of town. Right. And um, she kind of picked the lesser of two evils. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's, I, I do want to talk about the art some before we run out of time yeah, do and it. do it. I'm, I'm get, This is where people, it I think, is yours. where I'm going to get ragged on. I'm not a fan. I know. Really? It's, o- it's only one color. Huh? It's, it's not oh, the black like and white it. that bothers me. I, I really like it, too. It's not the black and white that bothers me. It's just, I don't, there are, like you were saying earlier, there are lots of times in this book where I just don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes, um, where I just don't know what the fuck is going on and where I, it just seems to... I really don't know how to describe it. it. There's a lot of stuff that just seems very muddled, and um, I'm not entirely convinced that this particular style, while appropriately 60s, is appropriate for the material. Hmm. I just... it. Aside from certain panels where I had no idea what was going on, like I, I liked it overall, and I thought that he did very good 
like he he used a variety of transitions between panels very well. There's a lot of sure. kind of moody pages of aspect to aspect transitions where it's not like necessarily linearly telling a story. It's more like doing random objects from and scenes from like uh-huh. whatever <clears throat> noir mood he's trying to create. And I thought those were really effective. And I thought he does a a good panel variety, a good you know as a, as a as a cameraman. I think he's great for detail. I think sometimes he's confusing. Yeah. Um, and I thought I thought the cartooning style was appropriate for the 1962 feel. Like we yeah. said, this is sort of like 1962 it, in the book. To me, it, it kind of brings that nostalgia, and it looks kind of like Hanna Barbera had done it. Sure, you sure. Know? So it, I mean, if the Flint's I think which that might be my problem with it. It's like, I, yeah, it got a 1962 feel, but it yeah. also kind of feels like a cartoon, and in a way that, in a hey, way that kids. I'm not a fan of Let's like smack some bitches yeah it yeah. it's kind of the same problem that I had with with um some of the overly wacky anime scenes in Adolf right it sure. just like I just it I didn't feel it and it just yeah. wasn't wasn't didn't float my boat really um I so and that's and that's the thing Dar- Darwin Cook as a designer spectacular like I will not deny that because when you look at this book um like that splash page in the beginning <coughs> yeah those. right but like there are as a designer you look at um the splash page and you look at the designs of the cars and the the way that he presents like backgrounds and and rooms and buildings and furniture and like all of the things that he puts into his scenes to kind of put that 1962 feel in their work yeah. But I just don't like the style. Like I just don't I like him as a designer. Awesome. Him as the actual like person making the art. I'm I'm not a fan. And I think it's just a personal taste thing because I can't I can't I cannot say the art is bad. It's definitely not. It's great art, right? Mm. Like from a in taking it at t- if you took aesthetic. it aside from an aesthetic, it's it's extremely good art. It's just I just don't like it, and I don't yeah. think it fits well. Yeah. But yeah, I was yeah. fine with it. So was I. I mean, I, I didn't have the problems you guys had with confusing scenes. I kind of knew what was trying to get across and, and moved on with it. And um, uh, yeah, and I really, I really liked it how it was two tone colors. You know, there was yeah. pretty much one color throughout, inked throughout, and it looks like he used brushes as opposed to anything else. So it's more of a, it feels like a, a more hand drawn feel as opposed to all the photoshopped like Christmas yeah, that definitely. you get from all the all the comics that you have now. Which is another thing that helps with the with the period feel of the yeah, whole book. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm just. Um, I'm interested to see other stuff by Darwin Cook and find out if yeah. is this always his style? Because I don't know. Have you guys ever seen his other stuff? Uh, I haven't. Because I, I also know him. that he's doing the Minutemen th- uh, arc for um, uh, before Watchmen. Nice. So oh, really, it it'll yeah. So it'll be. I, I'm I'm interested to see more stuff by him. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of the way this book looked, which so, is what prevented me from buying the Martini edition when when Andy suggested it. Actually, was because I I grabbed it at the comic shop and I pulled it open and I was I'm like, looking I'm not going to buy just a like, book full of this. Basically, yeah, I'm like I'm not spending seventy five dollars on a slipcase thing when mm-hmm. I can when just on you know when I can just open it up and realize that I don't like the art. You know, mm-hmm. just flat out just open it up and be flip through a bunch of pages and be like, eh, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's not a seventy-five dollar purchase. So, mm. but 
That's true. No, so so Darwin Cook, just to get this straight, he was an author before this. He's the one that wrote the Parker books back in no. 1962. No. He's adapting no. somebody else's book. Okay. Yes. So somebody else wrote those books. Richard Stark. Richard Stark. Uh, Donald E. Westlake Stark. is the name of is the real name of the author. Richard Stark was a pseudonym that he wrote. He published these books under. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know. Um, yeah, and he adapted them in 2009. So, um, got it. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I, I guess we can. I guess we can step into buy, borrow, burn for it at this point. Unless any of you have any more particular points you want to make on it. The last thing I had written down on my notes was Uh-oh. Parker's a man with a mission, but seems a hell of a lot more like a boy with a gun or a misogynist <laughs> freak show with hands. <laughs> well, when it boils down to it, aren't we all? Uh, men, that is. I We're would like to with, think not all, not all men are misogynist freak shows with hands. But. Well, sometimes we have hooks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, buy, borrow, burn. I'm going to say borrow. Um, I, I don't think it's... It's definitely not bad enough to burn, but I'm not a fan. I, I, mm. just, I just didn't... I didn't really enjoy this one, so... I'm going to say it's a solid borrow, burn. Yeah? Yep. Oh. But I also realize that's a, it's, a, it's a hot button for me. It's like, a say what? Solid borrow slash burn. And that's how, solid is, how, how solid is that? <laughs> Wishy-washy. So you borrow it from someone and then, you burn, you, burn, and then you burn it. For, you no, didn't no, really no. want this. You're anymore. not allowed to have this anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's a no, solid. I would say if you're a fan of the noir genre at all, like okay. check it out. Borrow it's it. it's canon. You should, you should definitely look at it if you're a fan of yes. women. Maybe not. If you're a fan <laughs> of women, do yourself a job. <laughs> Take off your bra and burn it with this book. That's awesome. <laughs> burn the patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, what? So I, well, I'm I'm a solid buy borrow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There we go. No, I I mean I, it's it's a little pricey, but I I like it. It's not the not the best Party. noir, and you guys have have shown me the light yeah. that maybe it's, it's a little singular, in in purpose, but I liked it. Cool. Yeah. So it's <laughs> the three of us are solid midland between all three of us. We've Ayo. got we've got the the burn borrow, the borrow, and the borrow buy. So, so uh, borrow it. That's what we have in common. <laughs> if it's your thing, get the other one. The outfit. Uh, yeah. So uh, you can get this in in basically two forms. It's only available in. Uh, hardcover graphic novel form, which is twenty four ninety nine cover price, um, but you can get it. Like I said, the comic shop that I bought it at cost it cost nineteen ninety nine. So check um, around. And on Amazon, you can get it for like fifteen or sixteen bucks. Uh, but if you want to support your local comic shop, clearly go buy it at your local comic shop. Yeah. You can also get uh, the Martini edition, which is a an oversized, like we're, we're talking like absolute edition sized, slip cased version that has uh, the Hunter and the outfit, which is a second graphic novel plus uh, I think they said like sixty five pages of Darwin Cook's like supplemental material, sketches, design stuff, like information about the you know uh, uh, Robert Westlake, Robert yeah. Westlake, Donald Westlake, yeah. um, stuff like that. No director's commentary, though. <laughs> it's not exactly criteria. Maybe that actually is basically director's commentary yeah, at that I point. Love the, so. I love the extras they add into that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so, anyway. So, it, uh, so, yeah, those are the ways you can get it. It's uh, solid Midland. If Andy were here, he would add another buy onto the pile because he yeah. bought the Martini Edition. He oh, thinks yeah. it's awesome.
the next show, we will be covering Jim Henson's Tale of Sand. It's a brand new graphic novel that just came out. Um, it is based on a uh, a script written by uh, Jim Henson and his longtime collaborator Jerry Jewell back in the 70s. Uh, and it was adapted by an artist by the name of Ramon K. Perez, published by Archaea Comics. Um, so check that out on the next on the next show. It's, it's a beautiful book that uh, I haven't read yet, so hopefully it's good. Hey. Um, uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap the show up today? Wow. No. Nope. Big things. Big no. things. I, I'm, I'm, All of my oh. rage is spent. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, so... Tale of Sand next episode. Uh, rate us on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. Gets us more listeners. It's a good thing. Re- you can review us there as well, which is awesome. Review us on Zoom by going to social.zoom.net and searching for the show and then logging in and giving us a review. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. The main show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, I am at Geek Elite. Joel is at Superfly, spelled oddly. Um, if you want to find him, just search for Joel Simon. It'll come up. Uh, Anne is at Ann Bean Tweets. That's easy enough. Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Um, you can like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast. If you want to be a part of the show, you can feel free to email us at trade secrets at geekerific.com. Email us questions, comments, rants, raves, anything you want read or dealt with on the show. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and we will, we will most of the time I will remember to actually pull those things into the show. Sometimes I forget, but, um, uh, you, you know that that might be a good thing if somebody actually recommends a book for us to read. You know, kind of a wild card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If somebody, if you want to recommend something that you think we should cover, uh, old or new, uh, feel free to email us or, or fire it up on our Facebook page or our Twitter. That's uh, that's fine by us. We can we. I won't guarantee that we'll actually take it and and do it, but uh, but we'll at least uh, read it and either laugh at it or take it seriously. <laughs> oh, no, we'll Absolutely. Seriously. Um, we, we cover a wide range of stuff on this show all the time. We cover everything. We've covered some old stuff. We're covering some brand new stuff like Tale of Sand, which only came out last week. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll get to it eventually on this show and we'll talk about shit and stuff and things. and uh, All of that and more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, join us on the next show for Tale of Sand. Hopefully, Andy will actually be here again. Thank you, Joel. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Ann. You're welcome. I am Luke. This has been episode 23 of the Trade Seekers Podcast, and we're out. Yeah.